Well, good morning. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38. Ezekiel 38. As most of you know, our country is in great turmoil. I don't believe we've been in this kind of turmoil since World War I or II. I believe that, again, uh, we are seeing things that we didn't think would be possible. Um, Lieutenant General of the United States uh, has gotten a hold of Nancy Pelosi's laptop computer that was taken during the move on the Capitol building, and it ain't good. No wonder they want to uh, impeach the president because of what he knows. So when we look at all of this, where does that leave you and me as believers in Jesus Christ? We know that the nations of the world are going to fail. The Bible has told us that. And yet oftentimes we look to government for peace and security when in fact really the only peace and security is in Jesus. I know many people today, they laugh and scoff at Christians saying, well, you put your hope in God. Well, actually, friends, as a nation, we used to do that. And it even says that on your coins, in God we trust. But you see, America has turned its back on God. If you take any time at all and look at the movies that come out from Hollywood, the reason those movies are made is because it's what the American consumption wants to see. And it shows us how far we have fallen from that place in which God shed his grace on thee to what we become now as, an, as really a post-Christian nation. Where anything that is good is put down, anything that is wicked is uplifted and said is normal. And so I believe because we're in these days, I believe these are specific days in which the Bible spoke to us about. Last week we talked a little bit about the 70 weeks, 77-year periods of time predicated upon a 360-day Babylonian year from the time that Artaxerxes tells Nehemiah to go restore and rebuild the temple to the coming of the Messiah the Prince would be 69 seven-year periods of time. 173,880 days later, Jesus made his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. And the first place he went was not to go and overthrow that wicked old dictator Herod or the Roman government. He went into the temple and there he cleansed the temple because people there wanted to know who God was and instead they were being merchandised. People just wanting to come and bless God from all areas of the world. Yet they could not take the Roman denarius. They had to go through a money changer and change it to the righteous holy shekel. Well, of course, there was a fee involved in doing that. And of course, the Pharisee owned the concessions, the stands on all those. And so really, they were just making money off of people who wanted to know who God was. What a terrible thing when you stop to think about it. People just wanting to know God and people always getting in the way. But see, friends, that's the way it's always been. Religion will always supplant what God endeavors to do with you personally. The Bible talks about this personal relationship with God, but it does not come from your and my performance. It comes through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. The minute we think that we can do something to be good enough to enter into heaven is where we really step aside from what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. In other words, Father, if there's any other way man can be saved, as Jesus said, there just a few hours before he died on the cross, if there's any other way man can be saved, let this cup pass from me. And Jesus went ahead and died on the cross, which tells me being a good person, being a religious person, being a civically minded person, being an ecologist, being whatever you want, will not get you into heaven. It's only what Jesus did for you and me on the cross is what allows us to go to heaven. 
You see, we have a personal relationship with God. Not an impersonal relationship where he's unknowable, but God's whole purpose is to reveal himself to you. Now, Jesus says some interesting things in the Gospels. He says, henceforth, I'll no longer call you servants, but I'm going to call you friends because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But a friend, Jesus is saying, will be included in to what God is about to do. You see, God's word is that which is a light to our feet, lamp to our path. God wants you to know what is going to happen in the days to come. No other religious book in the history of the world contains prophecy. Because in saying prophecy that doesn't come true, you could immediately discount the book as fraud. So that's why we find in the Bible, one-third of the Bible is prophecy, and two-thirds of those prophecies have already come true. There's a remaining third prophecies in the Bible that are going to come true. And I believe we're entering into that time right now. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. I believe that. I believe that God has really let us know what's about to happen in the world. Now, friends, when you see the unrest that is going on, you see the Communist Party trying to overthrow America. And friends, that's what it is. Bernie Sanders, I don't want to offend anybody. If you voted for him, you need to know this. He spent his honeymoon in Russia. He adores Fidel Castro. In fact, on Facebook, which may not be there much longer for us, we put up how he was talking about how wonderful Fidel Castro is and how he wants to institute the same programs that Fidel did in Cuba into the United States. Now he's part of Bernie Sanders' um, uh, plan of, of this communist thing in Joe Biden's new administration. One of the things all of you need to be aware of, and I've heard Joe Biden talk about this, he wants to get rid of all homeschooling, private schooling, charter schools, religious schools. Your kids must be indoctrinated by the government through public schools. Scary stuff. Who came up with that idea? Well, his name was Joseph Stalin. Yeah, you remember him. He murdered somewhere between 20 and 30 million of his own countrymen. At least Adolf Hitler killed people he didn't like. Stalin killed 20 to 30 million Russians. You say, well, Mike, why are you telling us about this stuff? I believe we need to understand our enemy. Now, the Bible says our enemy is the devil who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Now, we have a real enemy in this world. Yes, communism is bad. Uh, Dictators are bad. But we need to remember what is behind these forces. The prince of darkness, the prince of the power of the air. Have you lived long enough, even as a non-believer, to see what the prince of the powers of the air bring forth? It's wickedness. It's darkness. The very things that you need, the ingredients that you need to have a family unit are the very things that the devil endeavors to destroy. In other words, the parents don't really raise their children. The government will raise your children. Your values are not imposed on your children. The government's values are imposed on your children. Do you get that? You see, in that way, there'll be a globalist. Well, when we realize what the globalism is, interestingly enough, the Bible tells us it's a one world order. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, after Ezekiel, chapter 37, that speaks about the nation of Israel being scattered among the nations, they are brought back into their homeland. And God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, can these bones be made to live again? And Ezekiel said, thou knowest, modern vernacular beats me. And he said, prophesy to them that they would come together. And there was a rattling, the Bible says here in Ezekiel 37, and a shaking. And the bones began to come together. And he says, now speak to 
that skin would come upon him and skin came on him, muscles came on him. And now he said, prophesy to the wind and the wind breathed life into him. And they stood on their feet and the nation of Israel was reborn. After the nation of Israel is reborn, Ezekiel 38 and 39 tell us, there's going to be an invading army to destroy it. Now, this is not something new, friends. This is something that I believe the devil has had for the Jewish people from the beginning. Now, you got kind of what you call the perfect storm. You have a group of people that think they're God's children, not because they love God, but because they inherited it. That's the problem today with the Jewish nation. You always hear them say, well, we're God's people. Yeah, but are, is God yours? That's the big question. And this is what has happened down through the history of ages, is they had a smugness. They would look at Jesus and say, our father Abraham taught us, or Moses said to us. But you see, it isn't that. This is what made John the Baptist's ministry so unbelievably different. John the Baptist came to the Jewish nation saying to them, you need to take a ceremonial washing. You need to get right with God. You see, because in order to become a Jewish believer, you would renounce your pagan deity, whether it would be the Baal worship, all the things you find in the Old Testament. You would renounce your pagan deity. You embrace Yahweh as your God. And then you would take what's called a ceremonial washing. God always used water in the Bible to separate. If you go into the book of Genesis chapter 1, God used water to separate the continents from the sky to the earth, all these different things. God used water. We remember when the children of Israel left their slavery experience for 400 years. They passed through the Red Sea, a type of baptism from the old to the new. They wandered in the wilderness, though, remember, for 40 years. Till that generation that said, we won't go into the promised land. God says, you don't want to go? You don't got to go. You need to take another ceremonial washing. And they passed through as Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. Joshua led the children of Israel through the Jordan River. And there the Bible says the water stopped just like it did for Moses. And they went from that, and you might say they were baptized in the Spirit this time, and they began their promised land experience. God does these things for a reason. But the devil knows that if he can destroy the Jewish people, he can destroy the promises of God. And the Bible then would become bogus. It would be like all the other religious books in the world of no meaning, no purpose. Interestingly, Adolf Hitler was deeply involved in the occult. And oftentimes he would consult his mediums before he would make a particular move. You can check this out on your own. But one of the things he was bent to do was destroy the Jewish nation. I believe, again, the devil will use whoever will yield themselves to him to do his work. That's why you absolutely, without a doubt, you need to be born again. You, the Bible, Jesus said to a religious leader of the day, a high-ranking religious leader of the day, Nicodemus, John chapter 3, you must be born again. There's something wrong with human nature. And until we're born again... We can be pawns in the hand of the devil, even thinking that we're doing something good, but we're not. And so I believe this is why in these days that we live in, we need to be led by the Spirit. There is an all-out assault on God's people. Have you noticed that lately? Have you noticed it in your home? Have you noticed that it's your work? You see, there's an all-out attack for all of us who are called by the name of Christ. Why? Because you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. And when this attack comes, you're going to stand brighter and brighter. You're going to be the standard in the midst of the sea of religion. Now, friends, religion will never do you any good. Jesus Christ will do it all for you. And there's a big difference between being religious and taking self-satisfaction and look what I did rather 
than God saying, look what I have done for you. That is the gospel. You and me go to heaven because he's good, not because we are. We are clothed in his righteousness. I go over this almost every sermon because it is so important. You are not righteous in yourself. You are righteous in what God has done for you. That's the gospel. So when I die that day, and I already did once, I did that about a month ago. Weird experience. I think everybody should have that experience. Just kidding. I keep telling everybody I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. I often wonder what do undertakers say to their clients before they die? Like, I'll be the last one to let you down. And what catchy phrases do they use to really attract that, that to show that they're the best undertaker in town? Don't be in the ground with no one else around. Or you won't rot in your plot when you see what we got. I often wonder about that. But you see, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. That one that God says that he's going to come and take us home one of these days. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things happen in the world, look up, your redemption draws nigh. And that's why this morning, friends, I want to encourage you to look up, your redemption draws nigh. If you're not a Christian, you need to get right with God. Because you, as I shared earlier, can be manipulated by the devil, even thinking you're doing something good, and you're not. Because you see, only God is the one that guides and directs our lives. Let's pray. That was a long intro for a sermon, huh? Father, as we look at your word today, we ask that you would speak to us through it. And God, that your Holy Spirit would remind every one of us our dependency upon you. And Lord, in the past, we could maybe just live in a moderate Christian uh, idea. But Lord, now... You're going to have to become everything to us. And so, Lord, if you would anoint these words from your word, so they wouldn't just be ink on paper, but, Lord, they'd be inspired by your Holy Spirit as they were written, that they would come alive in our heart to cause us to be aware of the lateness of the hour, that we would be about your business. Lord, not involved in dead orthodoxy and religion, But Lord, that we would be alive in you as your bride and as your children in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ezekiel chapter 38. And of course, Israel is God's timepiece. You want to know where you're at prophetically in the world? You look to Israel. Jesus said, as we read last week, Luke 21, that Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Jerusalem is under Jewish control, recognized as the capital of Israel, and I believe that's an exact fulfillment of what Jesus said. Now, if you weren't here last week, Jesus, when he said Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, was really a ridiculous statement. Here's why. When Jesus said it, Jerusalem was under Roman control. Rome controlled everything that went on in the city. And as a matter of fact, even one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew Levi, was a tax collector for the Roman government there in Jerusalem. So they controlled everything. Jerusalem was not under the control of the Jews. It was under the control of the Gentiles, even when Jesus said that. But wait, it gets more. When Jesus, as he fell down under the weight of the cross, going to Golgotha, where he was crucified, they were crying and he said, don't weep for me. You weep for what's coming upon you in the days to come. And as he looked and saw that day when a Roman general in 70 AD came in and leveled the city of Jerusalem, burn it and leveled it, he only allowed, the Roman government only allowed the Jewish people to go back into their beloved city of Jerusalem once a year. It was quarantined once a year. They couldn't go into it. 
the day that it was burnt to the ground as a total mockery to God and to the Jewish people. Seemed like it was all lost. What a ridiculous promise. Jesus said that Jerusalem would be under the control of the, uh, 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 that Jerusalem would be under control of the Jews. Friends, we see it today. Now here's where it gets exciting. If you're not a Christian, listen because this applies to you. Jesus said that the generation that sees this will not pass away till they're all these things are fulfilled. That'd be you. That'd be me. So where does that leave us then? We have to realize, first of all, where we're at as Christians. God did not just save us. Now, this is one, I think, of the things that God always does because he takes great pride, I, I believe, as Jesus said, I'm not going to call you servants anymore. I'm going to call you friends for a servant does not know what his master is doing. I'm going to include you in the inner circle to know what's going on so you'll understand where you're at in the timeline. Now, not only does God care about the people during the tribulation, many of you, as you've shared your faith with your friends and your family, your kids, your grandma, grandpa, aunts, and uncles, co-workers, one of these days, Gabriel's going to blow his trumpet, we're out of here. The upper taker has come. They're going to say, where'd everybody go? Well, the world, the Bible says, is going to be sent a strong delusion that they'll believe a lie. I often wondered years ago how that would happen, and then I realized we have the American news media. <laughs> well, what more can you say? The UFOs got them. The world has finally purged itself of the undesirables. Hard to say what they're going to say. Guaranteed, they're going to say something. And hard as it might be, it's going to be believable to the world. God always lets people know what's going to happen. His people, if you're in tune, you'll know. And so we find not only does God give the tribulation saints, you might say, not the church. The church is not mentioned after Revelation chapter 3 on the earth. It's always found in heaven. Good news for you and me, okay? But there will be tribulation saints that accept Christ as their Savior. There will be the elect, the Jewish believing brethren who, who accept Christ as their Savior. But you don't find the church after Revelation chapter 3 on the earth. And that's important. But God gives them a book to help them navigate through the worst time in the history of the world. Now, when you stop to think about that for a minute, why would you need that? Why would I need the book of Revelation if I'm a Christian during the tribulation? Well, first of all, wholesale death will be everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. In fact, the Bible says in the first just chapter 6 of Revelation, one quarter of the world's population dies in just the first beginning of the tribulation period. And it lists by wars, by famine, and by, well, the creatures. The word in the, in the Greek is any living, any, any living organism will be, will, will be that, that will, can kill people. Now, we see right now, uh, COVID has morphed. COVID 19 tier 4, which is England right now, it's, uh, it's 56% more uh, contagious than the current COVID is. They have another COVID now that's morphed again. And this thing is, by the way, everyone, is going to continue to morph. It was man-made. It's uncontrollable. Uh, you start playing God, you get into trouble. Again, as I've shared this so many times, why any country would invent a disease to hurt people shows something about their form of government. Uh, but the point is, is that you've got a new strain now coming out of Africa that is 100% resistant to any of the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, vaccines that we currently have. So what's going to be in six more months? You know, uh, COVID-19 tier nine, COVID-19 tier, we're going to be walking pharmaceuticals if you get everything jammed into you, they want to jam in you. you know, think about it for a minute. 
This is real. I'm not making this up. Check it out. New uh, COVID strain in Africa. It's resistant to anything that man can do to stop it. Wow. The one in England, it, they, they have not found that, that their vaccines are, are stopping that one. One of the things the Bible says in Matthew 24, men's hearts failing them for fear. Now, here's why this is important. When the Lord takes the church out of here, the devil's going to have and the world's going to have what it always wants, a world without God. And that world without God is not the dawning of the age of Aquarius by the fifth dimension. No. It is not imagined by John Lennon. Oh, they're going to say it is, but it's going to be far from anything that resembles sanity. You'll be required, if you believe in Christ, during the tribulation period, Revelation chapter 6, halfway through the chapter, it says there was a group of people under the altar. And the angel asked John, who are these under the altar? And he said, beats me, I don't know. And he said, these are the martyrs that came out of the great tribulation gathered under the altar, and they're to remain there until their fellow saints would be slain as they are. In other words, to be a Christian during the tribulation period, the last 70th week of Daniel, is going to require you to give up your life to accept Christ. Now, I've had people say, well, you know, Mike, you know, I, I, I like, you know, like, like know all that stuff, and I'll just accept the Lord during the tribulation period, Okay. Because I got some partying to do. My question is this. If you won't live for Christ when things are good, why will you die for him when things are bad? So, the Bible tells us what goes on. Everything is numbered. It's all in order. You have the six seal or seven seal judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, and the seven bowl judgments, all in order, all sequential. So a person during the tribulation period will know exactly where they are and how close it is to the second coming of Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus will come back. The second coming of Christ is three and a half years after the Antichrist creates what's called the abomination of desolation puts his name, his picture, or an or, uh, uh, image of himself in the temple in Jerusalem that's not yet built, but it's going to be, and declares to the world that he's God and he must be worshipped. Three and a half years is the second coming of Christ. Not hard to know. Now, what do you say, Mike? Well, what about where it says no one knows the hour of the day? I believe that's talking about the rapture. And I don't know when that is, but I'll tell you one thing. I think it's really close. I think it's really close. When you see the formulation of all these things, see, this is why God wrote these things down. So the tribulation saints would know where they are. And here's why I think it's so important. Because they're going to be required to die for their relationship with God. And I'm telling you, if you're reading a Bible, you accept the Lord during the tribulation period, and you're reading the Bible, and somebody says to you, the very next event is going to be grievous sores break out on everybody that took the mark. And grievous sores break out on everybody. I'd say whoever wrote this book knows what's going on. And it says, don't take the mark and accept Christ as your Savior. Even if it costs you your life, because I believe those things are written to bolster, to strengthen a person's faith when they're going to be required to give up their life for their relationship with God. Where does that leave us? Before the rapture. And before the tribulation. I believe this is what Jesus is talking about. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Stop right there. We know Jesus had to be talking in the future because when Jesus said that, there were no nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. It was all the Roman Empire. There were no no separate groups of people. No, they were all Roman, period. That's all it was. But Jesus said these would be in the last days. Now, this in Ezekiel here is kind of interesting. And I'll just read this real quick because this has to do with God's timepiece, God's time clock. And it says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is uh, Ezekiel 38. Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, there's a lot of discussion who these 
uh, areas are, these people are, and things like this. There is speculation that Rosh is speaking of Russia, that you have Meshach Tubal, the ancient names for Moscow and to Blanc's Russia, but don't know for sure. And if somebody wanted to argue the point, I would say, okay, I'll accept your argument. Not necessarily so. But the one thing we know, this battle has not yet happened. And it goes on and he says, And say, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O God, Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, horsemen, splendidly clothed, great company with bucklers, shields, handling swords. The word swords there can also be the word piercers. Now, I don't know a better word for a bullet, but that would probably fall in that category. Now I'll list some of the nations that we do know. Some of that we recognize the geographic area. Persia, which is Iran and Iraq. Ethiopia, by the way, devastated by famine, who is looking for some way to get something free fast. That's what's going on right now in Ethiopia. Libya, also the same way, are all with them with shield and helmet. Gomer, golly, no, not that Gomer. Gomer is actually, most people believe, the area of Turkey. And right now, the relationship between Turkey and Israel has rapidly um, dissolved. And all of its troops to Gamara, the far north, and all of its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your company are gathered about, and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited in the latter years. This is a time, whenever you hear the latter years or latter days, this is beyond the, the lifespan or the person that is writing it. It's last days. We're going to see how last days it is here. You will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from my peoples on the mountains of Israel, which has long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now they all dwell confidently. Some, the word in the Bible says safely, but the word actually in the Greek is actually more of the line, they were, they were dwelling confidently, they were okay. And you will send like a storm, covering the land, you and all your troops and many people with you. Thus saith the Lord God, on that day it will come to pass that your thoughts will arise in your mind and make you come up with an evil plan. And you will say, I will go up to the land of the unwalled villages. Stop right there. Land of the unwalled villages. Just up to a couple hundred years ago, the strength of the city was in its walls. But they know with modern warfare, the walls not only kept the bad guys out, but it kept people inside from escaping. So it changed. And again, we remember the, the idea of the unwalled villages. Modern warfare have, has, has rendered walls around a city useless. And it says, you will go up to the land of the unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people dwelling safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates, to take a plunder, to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited. And again, a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of their land. Sheba and Dedan, merchants of Tarshish, all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty and carry away gold and silver and livestock and goods and take a great plunder? By the way, Sheba and Dedan is um, is uh, when you, in Israel, it would be the land directly east of Israel. So um, when you look at Saudi Arabia, for instance, it's interesting, they have signed peace treaties with Israel. You'll also notice Egypt signed a peace treaty with Israel and is not listed in these nations where the other ones are. It says to take goods, plunder. Oh, and by the way, Tarshish, most likely England, 
from what we can gather, the, and the young lions of Tarshish um, might be the United States, might be Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, all those that object to what this invading army is doing and most likely headed by Russia, but nobody does anything to help them. They're left alone. This is another thing of why I wonder what's going to happen in this week and next week. Because the previous administration, the Obama administration, was pretty hostile against the nation of Israel. Uh, currently, at least up to another 12 days, uh, you have a, a, an administration that's very favorable to Israel. And so when it says they come and say, what have you done? Come to take a spoil. Nobody offers Israel any assistance. Now, why is that? I don't know. Why isn't America coming to Israel's defense? I don't know. Might be several reasons. Maybe the same reasons what ha- why the United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy when you start really studying the rest of Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, Book of Revelation, what Jesus said about Luke 21, Matthew chapter 24. The United States is not mentioned. Why is that? I don't know. I've heard different scenarios that a great revival breaks out in America. We all get saved. We're raptured and there's no one here. Nice, but I don't think so. Number two, we are hit with a series of natural disasters. You figure that if you have a 13-0 earthquake up and down the west coast of the United States, what that would do. Many um, geologists that, uh, at, at, and those that study all this stuff, they believe that actually the San Joaquin Valley in California may become an inland ocean. It'll sub, it will go down, the overriding plate will push it down, and um, of course, it'll be devastating um, when you look at that. Uh, could also set off Cascadia Fault, which is off the coast of Oregon and Washington, as well as uh, Yellowstone. Uh, that's another possibility. A supervolcano could take America out. Another possibility, surprise nuke from uh, China. Uh, they're buying up the Bahamas right now, many some different places, to build military bases. This is what they're doing right now. And uh, seizing islands over in the Central Pacific, building their, their bases. So that's a possibility. When you stop to realize, you know, there's you know, billions of Chinese. And whenever there's the billions of anything, that's got to get your attention. And so you got, you got this great force. They're now on the moon. They're... they're going to surpass our economy here in, they believe, this year, uh, and, and partially due to COVID, they believe that's going to happen. And so you're, you're, you're going to see a, a change in the way the world's, the world's done. Uh, I think it's all very much a reality what can happen and happen very quickly, as all of you realize. So you find this breaking out here. Now, while maybe China might be focusing on the United States or North Korea or who knows what, you've got other stuff going on. Maybe this time for Russia to say, now's the time to make our move with the Arab neighbors. The, um, in Iran, the last few ICBMs that they have set off, they weren't tipped with a nuclear warhead, but we know that they're developing weapons-grade material for a weapon right now. Uh, on the side of the missile, and I saw it myself, uh, written in Hebrew, death to Israel. So they're, they're not going to be friendly. So the world is completely unstable. Again, as you read this, they're going to come down like a cloud. You'll come against Israel, your great army. And by the way, it says here, then you will come from your place out of the far north. That's why most people believe it's speaking of Russia. You and many peoples with you. This is verse 15. All of them riding on horses. And the Hebrew word for horses is leaper. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but it means some mode of transportation. 
A great company, mighty army. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud, cover, it, cover the land. And it will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so the nations, plural, may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus saith the Lord God, as you are you he of whom I have spoken in former days, my servants the prophets of Israel who prophesied for years in those days that I would come and bring you against them? It will come to pass at that same time when God comes against my land of Israel, says God, my fury will show in my face for my jealousy and the fire of the wrath that I have spoken. Surely in that day there'll be great earthquake in the land of Israel so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field and all creepy things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains will be thrown down. The steep places shall fall. Every wall will fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against Gog throughout my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. And I will bring him into judgment, pestilence, bloodshed. And I will rain down on him and on his troops and many people who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. And I will magnify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Showdown's coming. I want to just encourage all of you, be about your daddy's business. I think that we're going to see some things that We've never seen before. I, I, I used that the other day. I watched It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know how many people have ever seen that, but Clarence, this little portray goofy angel. And when he said, I'd been better, you know, you know, George Bailey said, Oh, I'd been better if I was never born. Well, that, that might work. And so he says, you, you never existed. So he goes out, he tries to find the car that he wrecked. And he says, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of really screwy things going on here. And he said, the angel said to him, Clarence, not a real angel. Hollywood portrayal of an angel. But he did say something I thought was pretty good. He said, from now on, you're going to be seeing a lot of really strange things. I believe that's the case, friends. Now, here's the point. God has not given you or me the spirit of fear, but the Bible says boldness, a sound mind. First, if you're not a Christian, you can be the devil's prey because he can take advantage of you. Remember, the devil wants to destroy the nation of Israel so the prophecies of God do not come true and it'll be like all the other junk religions in the world. But God's word is written and it will come true just as he said. I want to be where God wants me to be in his prophecy line. And again, just as God wrote the book of Revelation for those during the book, during the tribulation period, God has wrote words for all of us today. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. I pray you're looking up. I pray you're about your father's business. I pray that every day you say, Lord, what can I do for you today? Because I know that I may not be here tomorrow All it takes is a heart attack to really remind you that. I may not be here tomorrow, or the friends I want to talk to may not be here tomorrow. What do you want me to do for you today? And you know what I have found? You'll have some of the weirdest things happen in your day. Your car will break down. You'll get flat tires. Stuff in your house will break you never thought would ever break. It's under warranty. Yeah, that's right. So you got to go down and talk to the guy at the warranty department about your problem in which he'll start telling you about the problems that he has at home that you can share the gospel with him. That's happened to me. Why does that happen? Because I think God moves us out of our comfort zone and moves us where we're going to be the most effective for him. But you know when God does that, at the time, it's an inconvenience. At the time, I don't like it. But at the end of the day, I look back and go, wow, God, you really did have your fingerprints all over me. You know, it's nice to be handled by God. 
It's nice to know that when you've yielded your life to him as a Christian, not just eternal life in the sweet by and by, but actually a life worth living now, where God arranges the circumstances of your life so you can be about your father's business. Friends, that's the best thing in the world. People say, well, why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible and and you don't do miracles anymore? Tell me one question. Answer this. What are you doing that requires a miracle of God in your life? Oh, I don't know. I I like to stay in my little comfort zone here. I don't like to. Well, then why would you need a miracle? God brings us outside of our comfort zone, so we trust him. And then God says, now watch this. And that's when you get a double dose of the whole Holy Spirit in your life. That's when all of a sudden you begin to say, wow, God is real. That would have never happened in a million years. You see, God's got a divine plan for each one of us, collectively and individually, to be about our Father's business. I pray this morning, first of all, if you're a Christian, rededicate your life to Christ, pure and simple. We're coming into days that are different than any other day that you've known. Now you all, Mike, they've been saying that for 100 years. No, no, I've watched things on TV this past week that are really weird. Be about your father's business. God's going to open up here. Do you know how many people are scared to death of what's going on? You go into your local supply store or sporting goods store. There might be some guns on the wall, but try to find a bullet. And a box of ammo that was selling, as an example, 9 millimeter, 50 rounds, you could buy it all day long for $8 a box. Now it's about $1.50 a bullet. People are like, I'm buying gold, I'm buying silver. Should have bought lead. I bought this for $9, I sold it for $120. <laughs> Well, see, the point is, everyone, is that we're in a different time. And I believe the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do if you'll spend time with him. Well, Mike, I'm so busy, I don't have time to pray. You ain't got time not to pray. Because you can spin your wheels, you can say, oh, look at every... I use the illustration of shuffling deck deck chairs on the Titanic. Does it really matter where you put them? Does it really matter even what the rules are on the Titanic? No. This thing's going to be at the bottom of the ocean. Well, friends, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If you're not a Christian here this morning, it's your day. It's your day. It's where you finally come to the end and saying, you know, Lord, if I gain the whole world, but I'm going to be at the bottom of the ocean... What does it profit me? You see, the Bible says that that holy, wonderful Holy Spirit comes and opens our eyes and convicts us of our sins. And we go, God, I've been living so stupid. I invest time in things that don't matter. I I, I waste my life doing things I wish I wouldn't even do. You need to be born again. You need the Spirit of God in you. You say, well, how do I get that? The Bible says it's not religion, friends. It's a relationship. How do you start a relationship, any of you? How do you, how do, you do that? How, how do you marry the girl or guy you married? How to start? You walked up and said, hello. I, I'm serious. I mean, even if you met each other online someplace and, you know, through... through uh, Pretty dating singles. I don't know what they have out there. But eventually you had to talk to the person and you went, hi. You ever, real quick, this is a dirt trail, but whenever, when I was a kid, whenever I was around somebody I really liked, I couldn't talk. If I didn't like the girl, I could talk all the, ah, how are you? I'm glad, that's good. I'm glad to see you. And if it was somebody I liked, I couldn't do it. The point is, all relationships start in an introduction. That introduction today is for you through Jesus Christ. Where the Bible says, 
He knocks at the door of your heart. If anyone, I've had people say, oh, that doesn't apply to people outside of the church. Well, then please someone explain to me where Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, I think that takes in about anyone, will open the door, he'll come in and break bread with you. Friends, that's good. That's good. That's what you need. You need a friend. And you're going to need to know your salvation is in heaven. I don't know what's going to happen to us this week or a year from now. But I know in Jesus, we're going to make it. We're going to be together, no matter what it is. We're here for one another, and that's a good thing. I don't want to just use church as, well, you see, I'm in this multi-marketing thing, and I see a lot of clientele here, and I can draw my little circles and build my pyramid, and you'll be up here. No. It's the family of believers. We're a family of God. That's what we need. We don't need religion. We don't even need, well, forgive the term church. I, 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 we, we need each other in Jesus. Because we're going to need to watch out for one another in the days to come. People say, oh, I don't go to church. Wow, how sad. You've isolated yourself from the very thing that God wants to bless you through and that you can bless other people through. And we've isolated ourselves and we become Well, in the words of Simon and Garfunkel years ago, I'm a rock, I'm an island. And what a lonely experience that must be. You become like the God you serve. If you're serving yourself, you're just going to find more of yourself that goes nowhere. If you serve money, you're going to find yourself green and wrinkled. Just the way it works. You serve God, you're going to find yourself more and more like your Father in heaven. You have your Father's eyes. If you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to pray right now. And let's get right with God. And let's see what he's going to do in your life in the days to come. It's going to be great. If you are a Christian and you've been playing on the wrong side of the fence, why don't you come home to God today and say, okay, God, I see it all happening. Your word says when you begin to see these things, look up your redemption draws nigh. I can see it. Let's get right. Let's go. And let God do something brand new in your life. He will. If you need to pray, let's pray right now. I'll lead you in prayer. Some of you saints might want to pray along, help them out. But let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you to come into my life today. I know I'm a sinner, but you forgive sins. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, and he took away my sins. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I want to be about your business. And what you want me to do. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'll have power and boldness. And love for those around me. And thank you for eternal life. That I never have to be scared of dying ever again. And so I commit my life now into your hands in Jesus name. Amen.